Good morning. I'm Spencer Bros. I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's, and what a blessing to be here with you on this third Sunday of Advent, exploring the joy that Christ brings into the world, not just at his birth, <clears throat> not just at his second coming, but every day as we invite him once more into our hearts and into our lives. Today's passage is from Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 41. When Elizabeth heard of Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. There are a lot of different favorite Christmas songs. Some of them are so favorited by others that many others are, are kind of tired of such songs. Um, I think the top of that list is the Christmas Shoes song. I don't, I don't remember its title exactly, but if you know the song, I think you know what I'm talking about. Another one of those is Mary Did You Know. I, I love the song. It's a beautiful song. But it gets played a lot. And on top of that, I have some questions for their questions that are asked of Mary. Mary, did you know? Assuming that the answer is indeed no, and I'm not so sure that it is for each and every one of the questions that the song poses. So I thought we'd explore those a little bit this morning as we explore Mary and, and, her, and the joy that she experiences at Christmas time. The first question is, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Specifically, probably not. However, Jesus' namesake in Hebrew is Joshua, Yeshua, who walked through the waters of the Red Sea as the people of Israel in their exodus from Egypt to the Promised Land. Then again, he walked through the waters. They divided the water or stopped the waters in the Jordan River to enter into the promised land. So maybe not on, but I don't think it would surprise her when she heard what her son had done. So no, not specifically, but I don't think it would have surprised her. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Yes. That's literally what his name means. Maybe not sons and daughters, but it means God saves. That's what Yeshua means. God saves. So I'm going to go with yes. She actually would know that answer to that question. Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered would soon deliver you? I don't know that she would have thought necessarily through all of that specifically to her, but yes, again, save our sons, save the people of Israel, if not all of humanity. I think she would include herself and all of that, especially since Gabriel told her how favored she was by God. I'm going to go with yes to that one, too. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man again? No, not specifically, but perhaps, I don't, 
I don't think she would have been all that surprised. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand and that when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God? The first part, same as the answer to a couple others, no, not specifically, but probably not be surprised. However, that second one, when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. Now, this becomes a little bit of a, of a theological, not a little bit, but it's a theological leap. It's a really, really big leap for the people of Israel. To see a child and equate that child with God was a reason for a lot of the, the hatred towards Jesus in his ministry. Anytime he said, I am, I am the bread of life, I am the true vine, any of those I am statements, he's making himself equated with God because that's God's name, I am, Yahweh. It's what Moses, when Moses asked God in the burning bush, who do, you, who do, you, who do I tell sent me? Who do I say sent me? I am sent you. He's equating that, and that was blasphemous. I don't think she quite made that theological leap. She may not have known the exact nature of the child she carried, but I think that one was probably a no, because that's such a big, big idea that, that broke so much of what they understood of what the Messiah would be. And there are other questions, and some of them are no, but I don't think she would be surprised by <laughs> such things. She had all this information from Gabriel, Plus, what she knew of the things that Gabriel said coming from, the, from the old, what we call the Old Testament, her Hebrew Bible. All of these sw things swimming around in her consciousness of this child, this child who would save us. But she also knew that he was going to suffer for this. This child, she was about to bring life into this world, but she was unmarried and there were cons cultural consequences for that she had all of these different and seemingly opposing um, feelings I think that must have been swimming around with her that had nothing to do with the, the chemical changes going on in a pregnant person's body you know life situations were putting her on this roller coaster of life. And I imagine she went to go see Elizabeth not to share joy, but because she just needed to step away from where she was to go to somebody familiar and just be. And when she arrives, her arrival brings joy. Joy in a time when she may or, may or may not have been experienced, and maybe she did in moments, and other times she was just beside herself. We don't know. But what I do assume that her life was filled with a roller coaster of emotions. And we don't like to deal with the roller coaster of emotions. We don't quite know how to do that. We like our emotions one at a time, please. Thank you very much. It's kind of like what. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for this and a time for that. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. This is chapter 3 in Ecclesiastes. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, 
and so on and so forth. There's a time for this and a time for that. Let's just have them in neat and tidy order. However, Mary's was all over the place. Yes, in the large frame of things, I'm not saying that Solomon was wrong. There are seasons of life where certain things are the general theme. But I don't think Mary could have put her finger on one specific general theme of where she was in this season of her life. As we think about Mary's encounter with Elizabeth, I'm reflecting back on Kate Bowler's devotion for, for today, for this third week of Advent. And she reflects on a phrase borrowed from theologian Luke Bretherton when considering joy at Advent, and particularly Mary's experience of it. It's the phrase, tragic time. She says, tragic time is defined as that experience of time when things come undone, and whatever has happened is world-altering. Tragic time feels almost slippery, like you cannot believe the world is still spinning because yours has stopped. And yet somehow, experiences of joy still catch you off guard. It sounds about right. And I don't think that those slippery moments are limited to tragic times. I think they happen in extraordinary times in general. I remember at the birth of, of our second child at Morgan, I was looking out of the window of the hospital room with Gavin. I was so stunned. I don't know what I don't know. I was just surprised they let us bring this baby home from the hospital. What do you, you know of me? You don't know me. But anyway, when Morgan was born, I was looking out of the window into the city and seeing cars driving and people walking. And I remember thinking something along the lines of, don't they know a new person has been born in this world? What are they doing going about their business? That was a slippery time. But Mary, I think, also was experiencing a slippery time. The joy of bringing new life. The joy of who this child was, the Son of God. Alongside the concerns of being unmarried. She was betrothed. She knew Joseph was there. Well, I think at this point, maybe she was hoping Joseph would stay there. And also what it meant for this child who would be the one who saves us, what his life would not be an easy one. All of these things mingled together. Bowler goes on to say this about those sneaky, slippery times. He says, joy is sneaky in that way. It doesn't discriminate between tragic time and ordinary time. It's not a joy we can choose because that would often mean ignoring the reality of our heartbreak or circumstances. It just happens. Somehow, some way, showing up uninvited, even in the most unlikely situations. The Gospel of Luke introduces us to Elizabeth, who became pregnant after many, many years of infertility, well into her old age. Her husband, Zechariah, even reacted in utter disbelief when the angel foretold the birth of the child that they had long ago given up hope for. When Elizabeth was six months along, she was visited by her beloved cousin Mary, who too had just learned of her own miraculous pregnancy. Elizabeth's unborn baby leapt with joy at the sound of Mary's voice. Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, rejoiced at the great gift Mary carried. Elizabeth was likely surprised by the visit of her cousin 
It's not like she could text when she was on her way. And even more surprised by her showing up unmarried and pregnant. But those circumstances were not the cause of the joy that Elizabeth and her soon-to-be baby boy felt at her arrival. Their reaction was caused by the presence of God, of that new life that was growing inside of Mary, despite the complicated situation that surrounded her pregnancy. Both women were experiencing seemingly impossible, the seemingly impossible. They could have both responded in disbelief, in unhope, but instead were filled with the surprising presence of joy. The story reminds us that joy is not the absence of fear or disbelief or uncertainty or sorrow. In fact, joy exists despite all the reasons why it shouldn't. A few weeks ago, we talked about joy during the season of Thanksgiving and and that sometimes joy comes from remembering that which we're thankful for. Mary's experiencing joy because she's remembering that God is with her in all of this. And the God who has called her blesses is using her life for his kingdom good. Sometimes we like to sit in our sorrow. Now there are times when we, we can't get out of it and there are things that happen that are just too deep. But sometimes we don't want to experience those joys. But Mary is inviting us to allow that joy to seep in, to catch us off guard even. And remind us of God's presence, which leads us to remember and be thankful for God's blessings. Another thing that, that this story continuously reminds me is that blessings does not equate happy, joy, joy, life experience, whatever the blessing might be. It's not warm fuzzies. Blessings almost always in Scripture comes with responsibility. Almost always comes with a task and a burden. Mary's burden is great. She has a lot to be thankful for. What follows in Luke chapter 1, what we call the Magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord, she says. And she goes on to express her gratitude and the reasons why she does that. I think that encounter with Elizabeth, Mary was feeling all of the burden but none of the gratitude. And Elizabeth unlocked it for her. Or maybe even it was the unborn baby John within her womb that did when he leapt for joy himself. Looking for the joy in the midst of the burden. Not just anticipating or being open to it, but looking for it. During the season of Christmas, as we work towards the 25th of December, we feel this overwhelming cultural um, categorization of the season as joy and merry and bright and happy and all those things. And we know the reality of it is that we don't live that way from Black Friday to Christmas Day. But we can still look for the joy 
of God's presence in our midst, regardless of life circumstances and regardless of the time of year. I want to conclude with, with Kate Bowler's blessing, which is in her, both her book and the devotional for this third week of Advent. She says this, Blessed are we who wait with bated breath, who wait for something new to be born, for new hope or new joy or new life. Blessed are we whose patience grows thinner by the day, we who are tired of the world as it is, and all of its heartache and loss and hopelessness, we who want more, more hope, more joy, more life. Blessed are we who sit here, waiting at the still point between desire and expectation. We who are making room for more of you, O oh God, this Christmas, surprise us with joy in the midst of the mundane, abundance in the midst of so much scarcity, presence in the midst of the Christmas chaos. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, she quotes from Romans 15, verse 13. We have quieted our souls to listen, to wait for you, O God, for your word made flesh is life to us. Amen.